We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Kerman. I am joined today by Dusty Evely. You can find myself at Scotty Sports on Twitter and I am a writer on CheeseheadTV.com. You can find Dusty at Dusty Evely on Twitter. He is a writer and podcaster for Pack to the Future. Dusty, how's everything going today, buddy? Man, I tell you, everything was going, you know, decently okay, and then things uh, things really took a turn upwards this afternoon. So it's been a it's been a good day. Yeah, it, it was absolutely an absolute crazy day, and then we had this huge, huge, huge breaking news uh, from Rob Domovsky and Michael Cohen that Tim Boyle will, in fact, be the third <laughs> quarterback and make the fifty three man roster, and everything changed. And uh, yeah, that's the news I was talking about too, Andy. Yes, I think that's what everyone was expecting. But in all seriousness, Aaron Rodgers' contract extension, James Jones broke down the numbers as as was expected. He he had the breaking tweet, the contract details. Uh, I'm sure you've heard by now, but he signed a new four year extension on top of the two years that he's already had. 134 million estimated in new money, a 57.5 million signing bonus, uh, highest ever. 176 to 180 million total for the next six years. 103 million is what Ian Rappaport called practically guaranteed, which means he's all but certain to see the full 103 million at minimum through the course of that contract. Uh, 67 million before the end of this calendar year, and 80 million 
in cash prior to St. Patrick's Day of next year. Dusty, I am paying you just under that uh, to be <laughs> on this podcast. What are your thoughts on that extension? Man, so I'll set it up first. Like I, I kind of do this whole offseason, you know, you're kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And I kind of talk myself into, man, listen, Roger's getting a little older. He's got two years left in his deal. If you franchise him, that'd take you up to, you know, whatever, 39, I believe. It's just like, I, I think maybe we could do that. That'd be okay. Maybe you groom another quarterback. How much money do you really want to pay your quarterback? That's that's kind of where I'd gotten myself just to kind of take the stress off of the situation. And as soon as that came through, as soon as the the deal came came on, and I was just giddy, just grinning ear to ear. I was like, okay, well that's 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 how I feel about that. It's you saying it all of it. It's a lot of money. It's stru- I think it's structured really well. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to process right now. I'm I'm just over the moon. You figured it was going to happen, but the fact that he is going to be in Green Bay. Uh, probably for the rest of his career, it's thrilling, just absolutely thrilling. I, I could not be more excited about this. Yeah, as with anything, of course, there's no guarantees. Those last couple of years will probably have some ability to get out, or it could potentially be that he wants more money in the last couple of years, so you never quite know. But it certainly seems that this is a huge step in the right direction for him mm-hmm. to be a Packer for the rest of his life, which is just great to see, especially after a messy quarterback break up with you know Brett Favre previously it would just be great if he could retire as a Packer and really kind of go out on his own terms uh, he had said he wanted to play up until he was about 40 years old this brings him right up you know to that point and I, I just that that's the that's the plan that's the goal and, I, and hopefully this is able to make that happen I think one of the things that as you kind of mentioned you know we don't 100% know the structure quite yet but it certainly seems that he did give a little bit of a discount I know that's a ridiculous thing maybe to say <laughs> but it's the most it's the the richest contract of all time and it, it's going to make him the highest paid player and highest paid quarterback obviously in the entire league but when you kind of look at what it's expected to be Kirk Cousins this offseason mm-hmm. signed a three-year 84 million dollar fully guaranteed deal that pays him 28 million per year in 2018 if you take a look at Aaron Rodgers he kept basically the two years of his current deal which means really the new money starts three years from now in 2020. And that will bring him four years, 134 million with a hundred million guaranteed, basically breaking it down to 33.5 million per year starting in 2020. So if Kirk Cousins in 2018 is worth 28 million per year, fully guaranteed, there is no way, no way that in 2020, Aaron Rodgers is not worth at least 33.5 million per year at that time. Now the the cap hit may be a little bit more than that, depending upon how it's structured, but that's basically what the new money will be over the course of that contract. So yes, it's, it's a high deal. It's very expensive, but he's certainly worth every penny. And he, he could have got probably 40 million or more per year guaranteed. If he was out on the open market, I'd have to actually believe it might even be more than that. So he gets some security. He gets to probably finish his career with the Packers and in exchange, Green Bay gets him what I think will actually be not the highest paid quarterback deal by the time that new money starts in 2020. So I think it's a good deal for both, for both Rogers and the Packers. Look, I mean, looking at the other quarterbacks, I don't want to take too much time. You mentioned Cousins. Just looking at like average, non-guaranteed, but just average, the guys that have recently signed, Matt Ryan is is basically thirty million a year, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who has done like I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of Garoppolo. He's done very little. He signed. He's basically his average is twenty seven point five million per year. Like I think it was Robert Mays at some point said, Rogers is worth seventy five million a year. Now that's probably an outlandish statement, but 
he's I mean he <laughs> you look at man I don't know 33 million Jimmy Garoppolo is 27 and a half so I, I, 33 is not that is not that bad <laughs> I thought he really put it well today he quoted out uh, via Instagram and Twitter uh, I'll read it verbatim it's been an amazing ride the last 13 years excited to start year 14 knowing that my future is here in Green Bay for our 100th season I've grown up in this place and grown older and a little wiser along the way Thank you to our incredible fan base for inspiring us players to be better year after year. Thank you to the Packers organization for standing by me time and time again and giving me the opportunity to lead this football team. And thank you to my teammates along the way, past and present, who have impacted my life in so many positive ways, giving me friendships for life. Looking forward to making some new, more memorable moments this year and for years to come. Packers, and then of course, in classic Aaron Rodgers, hashtags, Packers 100th season, Packers family, Packers for life, and hashtag mid-range. Always so, mid-range. Yeah, always mid-range. So that's, that is the Packers quarterback for the foreseeable future, six-year deal, super exciting there. One of the things I did want to touch base on, there were some rumors today about how this could potentially affect the Khalil Mack trade, or maybe just more importantly, how that opens up salary cap space for this year. There were some kind of rumors out there that this could potentially open up 15.5 million in cap space this year to potentially go out and get another player. Well, what actually happened? Again, we don't know the exact terms of the contract right now, but SportTrack uh, out on their website has an estimated contract and I've crunched the numbers over and over and over Mm -hmm. and I get kind of the same thing. What it's expected to be is probably a neutral cap hit for this year, probably a slightly higher cap hit for this year for Rodgers than what he was expected to have originally. He originally was set to make just over 20 million per year this year. SportTrack projects his cap hit at about 20.9 million for this year. So it would be just a tad bit more, not going to open up 15.5 million. The the truth is that 50, with a 57.5 million signing bonus, sorry for the math here in advance, but if that's prorated over five years, which it would be, that's the most you can do under the salary cap. That's guaranteed to be $11.5 million per year in signing bonus money. And there's nothing else you can do with that. You can't prorate it any other way. So at minimum, he's got that $11.5 million salary cap bonus. And the minimum salary cap figure that they can pay him in base salary based on his years in the league is basically $1 million, pretty much even. So the bare bare minimum, regardless of how they structure him, based on that signing bonus amount that they could pay him this year, would be $12.5 million dollars. And if he was making $20 million already, that means that the most savings they could possibly have if they really put him at the minimum this year would be $7.5 million-ish. And I just don't see them doing that because it would kind of hamstring them in the future. So almost for sure it's going to be a neutral cap hit, uh, if, if not maybe just a little bit more, which does kind of tend to lead yourself to believe that that, that Khalil Mack trade, if it were to happen or you know the rumors, whatever it is, it, it makes it more difficult. It's tougher to find cap space. Can they make a deal happen absolutely they could there's a, there's a hundred ways they could do that but they can't any longer do it by restructuring Rodgers in a way that would give them a ton of cap space this year um, there were options previously for maybe you know backloading Mac and Rodgers just a little bit more uh, if they were to make that work but that that really isn't too much of an option anymore uh, I think they'd have to massively backload Khalil Mack's deal if they were to do that 
And you could probably get him in for about 13 to 15 million this year with a backloaded deal. You would probably need to make some cuts or trades. Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, haha, Clinton Dix could be options. You could re-sign Clay Matthews or Cobb to extended deals, which would give them a smaller cap hit this year. So there'd just be a lot of salary cap uh, gymnastics that Russ Ball and friends would have to do if they were to make this trade happen. The only other thing they could look at would be restructuring Bakhtiari or Mike Daniels, but those two deals are highway robbery already that you don't even want to pursue that because you're going to, you're going to then have to give them new deals, which would actually be, you know, more industry standard instead of having them be ridiculously in the favor of the Packers. So I think this becomes a much a harder thing to swing if they're actually looking for Khalil Mack. I kind of want to just put it to rest, but what are your thoughts on that, Dusty? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit it all. I've, I kind of, I, I kind of joked with you. I've been refreshing uh, Twitter all day, basically waiting for the Khalil Mack. Ever since the Rogers thing, I was like, okay, when's the Mack news coming through? Um, and then, really, what I've been keeping on my eye on since then, which you kind of touched on, was uh, Matthews or a Cobb extension. We already, we already heard. Was that last week? I guess. Uh, Matthew saying that uh, basically hinting that there was uh, there's talking of extension. I kind of was thinking the same thing as Cobb. So that was kind of the next thing I was looking at. Are they going to extend Matthews or going to extend Cobb um, just, just to try to get him to get Mac in the door, uh, try to make those numbers work. Cause that's realistically, aside from dropping anyone um, that seems the most likely outcome. And I, I don't see it happening. I was actually digging into some Mac numbers earlier just to try to like hype myself up for it. This was my favorite one. Uh, Mac accounted for 52 QB QB pressures last year. The Packers top two pass rushers, which was Perry and Matthews accounted for 47. So five less than Mac did um, combined. So like Mac would just be an insane addition. And I think, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say it can't be done because Russ ball is a wizard and uh, there are ways to do it. It seems unlikely. A man can dream, but it seems very, very unlikely that it happens, I think. Yeah, and there's no, uh, you know, there's nothing to say that Brian Gutekunst is going to do things the exact same way as Ted Thompson. They've got about 10 to 12-ish million, I think a little over 10 million in cap space available right now, depending on how that Rogers deal exactly shakes out. History shows they generally like to stay around that range and carry over some cap to future years. And one of the things... Uh, without getting too nerdy into cap stuff is that when you want some buffer, you don't want to be right up against that cap space because uh, practice squad counts against the salary cap above the 53 man roster. If somebody goes on IR mid season and you have to pick up a new player, the player you put on IR counts against the cap. And then that new player that you sign also counts against the cap. So you look at last year, there were 65, 70 players that ended up playing for the Packers. All of those guys are counting against the cap. So it's one thing to have a 53 man cap right now, but there are going to be numerous moves that need to be made throughout the year all that go towards that salary cap. So you, you don't want to be right up against it. And and you would ideally like to be able to carry some of that over for future years as well. So they'd have to clear a decent amount of cap space to just even make it work and give themselves a little bit of flexibility for the season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the dreaming about Mac would be is amazing, you know, and in the short term would be good. You got Rogers, you got Mac, you've got a monster on the defense, you got a monster on offense. I think that that gives them, you know, a realistic window to, to, I mean, do very well and and probably make the Super Bowl in the next couple of years if that happens. But at what cost? If Mac goes down or something, that's one of the things I've actually worried about. Um, I know I know we're going to move on here, but one of the things I'm worried about is anytime you see kind of a, a long holdout, 
Uh, you get a guy that that maybe is not up to conditioning snuff, and you usually see some pulled muscles. It seems it yeah. seems like that's something I've kind of seen. So what I would hate to see is, all right, man, we traded for Mac. We restructured stuff. We've got like $3 million left in the cap, and Mac pulls a hamstring in week two and just isn't the same. Like he, that, that makes me ner- That makes me more nervous on a lot of things. I think. Yeah, it's it's a lot of eggs to put in one basket with yeah. you know trading two first round picks, giving them a huge contract, and then like you said, if it's one hamstring and you you lose out on that for the season anyway. So I agree. I, th- I think it's just about time to put it to rest. But it, you know, Vegas knows, man, and, and who knows what what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to make one last bold prediction on the Aaron Rodgers contract before we end and move on. I am going to say that he will at least win one more Super Bowl in that contract. Lock it up, guarantee it. He's going to win one more Super Bowl within those six years. That's my bold prediction today. Moving on, the what seemed like was going to be the big news of the day before the Rodgers news mm-hmm. broke was that Brett Hundley had been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, traded for a sixth round pick. It didn't sound like there was going to be any conditions, just a straight up sixth round pick. And uh, that was obviously the big piece of news, which makes Deshaun Kaiser the de facto backup quarterback. And, you know, obviously uh, Hunley will move on to Seattle, be their backup quarterback there. Seems to be a decent fit playing behind Russell Wilson and, uh, you know, being able to learn from a known gum chewer himself and Pete Carroll. That seems to be a positive match as well. But just want to get your general thoughts on the Hunley deal, what it opens up for the Packers with Kaiser and and, uh, how you think that's going to work out. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. It's, you know, I hate to say a guy can't grow. I definitely don't think that's the case. But I really think what we saw to Hunley last year, I think that's that's probably his ceiling. I, I think he's going to give you some good moments. Uh, he's going to give you maybe one or two good games. But I think he's always just going to be inconsistent. His struggles that he had last year are the same struggles he had coming out of college. Um, I, I Maybe he gets better. Maybe he doesn't. I I think last year, regardless of what he looked like this this preseason, I think last year kind of showed that he's a guy that if Rodgers is going to miss any significant time, not that any backup quarterback is, is expected to come in and be amazing. If Rodgers is going to miss any significant time, Hundley's not the guy. Uh, Hundley is the guy he showed last year. He's not the guy that's going to come in and win games for you. So uh, I, I have no ill will towards him. I know a lot of people did not like him. Uh, he was frustrating to watch. The big thing with Hunley is he's really bad with a pocket. It seems like the minute it breaks, uh, he runs, which in Seattle is perfect because they don't have a pocket. So uh, it's, it's going to be perfect for him up there. So good for him. But uh, yeah, kind of thinking about uh, Kaiser a little bit. Once that Randall trade happened, I know that, I mean, the Randall trade happened because Randall was not going to be here the past year. So it wasn't a given Kaiser was going to do anything, but it certainly felt like the Packers don't make that trade for a guy they're going to cut or do anything like that sort of with it. It felt like no matter how Hunley looked in preseason, how he looked in practice, Kaiser was QB two. So this, this seemed inevitable. Um, I think Hunley playing well in preseason, uh, maybe, uh, maybe complicated that a little bit. Uh, there wasn't going to be a straight drop of him or anything. He did look good, but I, I mean, honestly, I was going to be shocked to see Hunley on the squad uh, when the season started anyway, just cause I knew, I knew Kaiser was QB two. Uh, and that, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. I thought they were going to carry two. You touch the top, they're probably going to carry three. But I just, I didn't see Hunley here long term. So I, I wish him, let's say I wish him the best. I, don't, I wish him personally the best. I don't wish the Seahawks the best. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good fit. And I mean, Packers got a six round pick out of him. That's perfectly fine in my book. 
Yeah, I think all of those points are fair, especially about uh, Brett Hundley on the Seahawks. We can cheer for Hundley, just not the Seahawks. But uh, I think that's fair. I, if you would have told me at the beginning of the preseason that Green Bay would have gotten a sixth-round pick for Brett Hundley, I would have told you you were absolutely crazy. <laughs> I would, Like you, uh, when they made that Kaiser trade, I said, Hundley's gone. There's no way he makes yeah. the roster. I wish I would have stuck to my convictions a little bit more on that based off of what I had seen in – uh, both training camp, mini camp, as well as in preseason. It seemed to me that Hunley was going to be the backup and I kind of wavered a little bit, but this is the perfect scenario. You pick up a six round pick for Hunley. You get to develop Deshaun Kaiser. You know, the goal of a backup quarterback in Green Bay when you've got Aaron Rodgers is one of two things. You either want them, if, if Rodgers misses, say, four games, you want him to be able to go two and two. Or, it, or you want him to be an incredible developmental prospect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anything over four games for a backup quarterback being out, you know, it, you're, you're going to be on the outside looking in from a playoff standpoint because in the NFL, it, it, having one good quarterback is tough enough. If you've got to go to your backup quarterback for, you know, almost half the season or more, it's just going to be a really difficult chance of making the playoffs. So you're hoping for someone that's going to be able to get in in four games against four random opponents and try to go two and two. And I think from a, a difference between between Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser, is there much in a four-game situation that would say one's going to give you a, a hugely better chance to go two and two than the other at this point? I don't, but Deshaun Kaiser's the much better developmental prospect, mm-hmm. and Hundley's in the last year of his deal. So it's a no-brainer. They get the six-round pick. They get to develop Kaiser. Like I said, I wish I would have stuck to my guns a little bit more when that initial news about Kaiser coming to the team happened. Uh, but shout out to Andrew Mertig, who on the very second episode of the Packaday podcast predicted that Hundley would play well enough in preseason that he would garner a late round pick via trade. That was his quote. So shout out to him. And then also uh, Jake Turner and Mark Eckel, who have been on the Packers will trade Brett Hundley bandwagon for a while. And talk about Mark Eckel. He not only kind of predicted that, but this last podcast, this last Saturday said, one, that Lindsey Pipkins would not make the team. A day later, he was traded. And then he also said, watch for Gutekunst to be very active in the trade market. And within four days, trades uh, both Lindsey Pipkins for Morrison and then trades Brett Hundley to Seattle. So uh, good on those guys for their predictions as well. Mark's a witch, man. That's, <laughs> that's the only explanation. Mark's a witch. He knows things. It, it's very frustrating that he knows as much as he does. Uh, he is here for his insane wisdom, and we're super pumped to have him. Deshaun Kaiser, obviously the backup. Uh, just really quick, I want to know, I know you've been a little bit higher on Kaiser uh, this preseason than I've been. I know you, when we had Ben Fennel on, you had some great things to say about Kaiser. D- do you think he's capable of being a backup quarterback at this point? What's your overall thoughts there? Man, I really do. I really like him a lot. I mean, the knock on him in college was kind of inconsistency, which you still see some of that, but man, the talent is hard to ignore. Like he's that arm talent's insane. He's got a, um, I, th- I think the thing that jumped out at me that, that we talked about the Fennel, the Ben Fennel one was the, um, that for every single game he's been in, even when, even when his, his passes haven't looked tremendous, there's a zip on him. And the biggest thing is just his awareness in the pocket. Like that's a lot of that. I mean, I don't want to say you can't teach it cause you can, but a guy that young with the awareness he has when the pocket starts breaking down with this being Packers preseason, it's been breaking down quite a bit. Like, just seeing that out of such a young guy is just very, very exciting. Um, I, I think, I think he's good enough to be a backup now. And I, I mean, I honestly think you know, a couple of years under Rogers, McCarthy, we will see, we will see him as a starter, and and uh, at least an average one um, in the next five years. I would say. I mean, 
four years, three years, I think he's going to be good. Um, I think he's a very good backup quarterback. I think he's going to turn into at least an average starting quarterback. But he's, I mean, he's he's shown the same stuff. Even even in the games that he's not looked great, just his awareness and his and and the zip on his ball is just tremendous. Like he seems like he knows what he's doing out there, um, even if he's a little inconsistent with it. So yeah, I'm 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 pretty high on Kaiser. I would say. All right. I hope you're right. I'm not quite as high on him. I have a homework assignment for anyone who's listening. You can shout me out at Twitter at Scotty Sports. I want to know one uh, quarterback who is this tall, strong-armed quarterback who has all of these flashes of talent, but is incredibly inconsistent, who struggles in their first year and then is a backup quarterback and then develops three years later and goes on to be a good starter. I think that's a uh, more of a fallacy than than an actual reality in most cases. I feel like Josh Allen is going to be another one of these type of quarterbacks, super strong arm, shows flashes, but just never has the consistency to actually be good for any specific period of time. Um, I think Kaiser is smart, though. I don't think Josh Allen's smart. Like <laughs> To me, that's one of the differences. That very well could be. I'm not ruling Kaiser out. I just don't think it happens as much as we would like to think. And there's this other misconception that this Mike McCarthy quarterback school still goes on and it doesn't. The the CBA pretty much put the kibosh on that. And, you know, they just haven't been able to spend the time developing quarterbacks that they would like, like they used to. And I think that's one of the problems with the CBA, but it also, you know, just really handicaps teams on trying to develop quarterbacks. But I do like the fact that they made this deal. I think it was the right move. I think it was the smart move. And I think just with Hunley being here, it would have complicated things with even trying to get Kaiser snaps and it would have slowed his progression. So yeah. if there is hope for him to be a, a you know a strong player in the future, he's going to need to get reps. And, and the best way to do that was by moving Hunley for the pick. All right. We have buried the lead. Tim Boyle is now the number three quarterback. It's time to touch base on Tim Boyle for sure. Uh, so again, just to touch base, uh, Rob Domovsky and uh, Michael Cohen both reported that Tim Boyle will make the 53-man roster as the third quarterback. They do not expect to cut him. Uh, they kind of went so far to say is that there was this buzz around Tim Boyle and that Green Bay really felt that if they cut him, another team would claim him for sure. So they're going to keep him around. Obviously, I've been this kind of Tim Boyle truther from the start. Uh, it's kind of become my, uh, you know, my brand, if you will. Matub will be happy with me for that. Uh, but <laughs> in all seriousness, um, you know, this was something that wasn't, you know, born on a, a, a joke. Like it's kind of become in a little bit of way, uh, but it, it was born on something that I've seen over and over. I know I've touched base on the, this on the podcast before, but when I was at it, the very first, uh, you know, OTA or mini camp this year, I just saw him. He was with the other quarterbacks. He he had no, you know, care of what was going on in comparison to just being next to Hunley and Rogers and, and Kaiser and the best quarterback on the planet. He just looked confident. He looked like there he, he was there to compete for a job. I was just impressed with that swagger from the beginning. As I mentioned before, he was at that uh, OTA where the, the veterans were out, Aaron Rodgers were out, and it was Kaiser and Hunley and Boyle's day. And Boyle just absolutely had a huge day while Kaiser and Hunley really struggled. He was by far the MVP of that day of uh, OTAs and minicamp. And then the the thing that really, you know, started in preseason, he was, you know, obviously throwing all these gorgeous deep balls. He was making some mistakes. His fundamentals aren't quite there yet, but his very first preseason pass was something that stood out to me so much. So this is his first time getting a play call where he was going to throw a pass as a Packer. Third and five, his own 12-yard line, backed up in his own red zone. Uh, He breaks the huddle confidently. He quickly comes out, designates the mic, 
goes through a full cadence, tries to draw the defense off sides, reads and surveys the defense. He's got great footwork coming out, uh, doesn't stare down his wide receiver. He looks off to the other side, comes back to his receiver at the last second, throws an absolute bullet and uh, completes a contested catch for a first down. And I just thought so much poise for a rookie undrafted quarterback who was awful in college for all intents and purposes. And he comes in on his very first pass and is that poised. And I've just been so impressed with him and I'm really excited to see how he's going to develop. I know you've been busting the tape all preseason, Dusty. Am I crazy or, you know, what have you seen on Tim Boyle? He seems fine. I like him. I kind of, I kind of have a, um, I have a pushback anymore against uh, hyped white players in green Bay. Uh, I can never tell if people are serious about them or if they're joking. Uh, like um, uh, Ripkowski, Janice are the two that come to mind. So that was kind of my take on Boyle from the jump was just like, well, he's a big armed quarterback and he's a white dude and people are going to kind of jump on that. And that's fine. I it, it's he's turned me around a little bit. Um, I'll say that like he, he has talent. He also, I mean, I talked about Kaiser looking inconsistent. I think, I think Boyle looks inconsistent as well. And it's just, and kind of looking at that college pedigree that, that, that colors it a bit. Or you just, I, he looks again, he looks fine. He's made some great plays. I mean, I've watched that throw, um, the throw to Kumaro, the one over the top a couple dozen times, like tremendous. I mean, like you said, all this stuff you just said, like he's got, he seems to have a swagger to him. He's got poise. He's got an arm. (laughs) <laughs> that was one thing that separated people were comparing him to Joe Callahan. Like, no, Joe, Joe Callahan didn't have an arm. Like that's nope. like, he's, he's got way more promise than Callahan. I mean, I'll say that like of the guys that they brought in, um, he's got more promise than Callahan <laughs> went back to thinking about Graham Harrell, like more promise than Graham Harrell. Like there's, there's something about him. And I, I, I want him to be good. I just don't know that he ever will be. I think he's, I think he's fine. I think as a QB three, he's fine. I think if something happened to Kaiser and he's QB two, that makes me very, 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 very nervous. I don't know. I don't have an issue. My only issue with him would be if they keep him on the 53, which it sounds like uh, the, the report says that they will, if that takes away a spot from one of the young wide receivers. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be a tight 53. You got a lot of guys that have something to show that have shown something. To me, I don't know that Boyle – I like Boyle just fine. I don't know that he's shown me enough to make the 53 man. I think there's other guys that could help out a little more. If he does, I'm not, I'm not going to shed any tears over it. It's fine. Yeah. You, you like him way more than I do. I don't hate him. I just, I don't, I don't think I have a strong opinion on him either way, honestly. No, and I, I should, you know, temper expectations of the fact that, I, you know, I'm talking here as a, you know, developmental number three quarterback. I yeah. like, you know, the odds of him becoming a starter at any point in this league are incredibly slim and, you know, overcoming that that college career where you, you're not even having a anywhere near decent touchdown to interception ratio or completion percentage or anything. You know, the odds of all of a sudden coming to the NFL and having this massively good career are next to none. But uh, just a really cool story, and I, I think he has developmental talent. His arm is certainly more than capable. You know, that's always going to give you a puncher's chance in the NFL at that position. So I'm just excited to see that he gets a chance, and we'll see if he does anything with it, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. But I, obviously, as a, a Tim Boyle truther, I'm excited, but uh, just uh, we'll be interested to watch his career going forward. And, you know, people brought up, too, it could be one of those things where when Aaron Jones gets back in week three, that Tim Boyle's the guy to go yeah. and they hope that they can sneak him on the practice squad easier at that point than at this point. Um, so that could be something too. I, I obviously hope that's not the case, but that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. 
I will say all three of our quarterbacks look dope and they're all denim outfits today. Oh yeah. I thought I've actually, if anything I'm ever going to criticize Tim Boyle on, I thought his effort was a little bit poor there. Man, uh, Kaiser brought it. I, like, yeah. I mean, Rogers always does it. Kaiser looked tremendous. Yep. Yeah. Tim Boyle was the odd man out there. He's got to step up his game in that. If, if he wants to stick around, that's really his probably number one. <laughs> that's there. your knock. I like it. I like that's, it. That's, that's my Tim Boyle knock. <laughs> I think outside of that, he's good. Uh, but that's his issue. So really, really quickly, we're, we're way past time, but uh, what, who are some players tomorrow night that you're looking at that really need to have big games to, to kind of step up and make this roster? I've got a few, um, and, and I, I don't know who you're – we didn't really talk about this ahead of time, so I, I don't know how many of these are going to overlap. I'm going to say um, MVS. Uh, you know, we, we kind of got the more – we kind of got the more breakout game uh, last game. Moore's been open all preseason. He's not been able to catch it. He was catching him last game, which was very encouraging. MVS, his first game, everyone knows, five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Past two ba- two games combined, one catch for 15 yards. Same thing with St. Brown. Four catches, 61 yards in game one, one catch, 12 yards in, uh, in, in the last two. Now, his past game, no one except Moore did much. But the second game, like the second game, they hung, whatever, 50-some-odd points. Uh, so it, it's not like they weren't doing anything on offense. So those are two guys, especially MVS, who flashed – so well and I don't think these are bubble guys uh, St. Brown might be I think MVS is making a team regardless but it would be nice to see something out of him um, as far as as far as a bubble guy uh, it's, it's your guy Andy it's it's Tanyan he looked really good in game two and that's about the only time I've really noticed him too much uh, I would love to see that uh, to me that QB uh, that, that tight end three which we kind of talked about um, talked about a few times I feel like yeah. That still seems up up for grabs for me. You know, Kendricks dropped a pass in Game Three. I feel like he's had he's had a couple moments. Uh, Bird has had a couple catches. Tanyan really is the only guy with kind of that signature game. That Game Two was really really nice out of him. I don't really know that anyone else has brought it. So that, that tight end three really still seems up for grabs. So I, I want to see Tanyan get it if it's Bird or whoever. Like I'm also fine with that. But I. I I think it's just because you talked him up so much. Um, <laughs> I really like his athleticism. I like he seems like he's got a willingness to block, goes up and gets the ball. Like I just, I just really, really, really like what I've seen out of Tanyan so far. So I would love to see him do something uh, in Game Four to kind of sell himself apart because that does seem like a position uh, that's kind of up for grabs a little. So those, those are my three basically all receiving options, um, all on the offensive side. So MVS, uh, St. Brown, and Tanyan. Yeah, I had uh, Equinemia St. Brown and the number three tight ends as two on my list as well. Uh, Trevor Davis was another one. If he gets an opportunity to play, he really needs to show something. James Looney, I, I still think yeah. he flashes, but he's struggled a lot. If he wants to really go out and, and make this roster, if he if he could have a you know two-sack game or something like that where he explodes in the backfield, that would do wonders for his chances of making the team. So I, you know he's got a big game coming up. Kendall Donerson's another one. I think he's mm-hmm. got a better chance than Looney, and I really like Kendall Donerson, but him having a huge game either on defense or on special teams would certainly help him as well. And then Greer Martini, I, I just think he really needs to stick out on special teams. A few big tackles for him would really go a long way. And then lastly, the backup safeties. I think between yeah. Evans and Whitehead and Raven Green, I think there's quite the battle going on there. Maybe you could put Quentin Rollins in that group too. So I just think uh, there, there's some interesting decisions that back up safety for sure. So I think special teams is going to p- play a huge part in almost all of those, certainly with Davis, Donerson, Martini, and the safeties. So, you know, special teams in the fourth preseason game isn't always the most sexy thing to watch, but <laughs> that'll be that'll be one to watch for a few of those tomorrow. A couple other really quick notes. 
Teddy Bridgewater was traded. Uh, it was Teddy Bridgewater and a sixth round pick from the Jets to the Saints for their third round pick. I love that move. I love yeah. that move for Bridgewater so much. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a great move for Bridgewater. I like it for the Saints as well. They're certainly handicapping themselves a little bit in the draft next year, having already given up their one and now giving up their three. But mm-hmm. I like that move for them. I like the move for Teddy. The one thing from a Packers note is if you were kind of under the hope, and we're not, of course, ever hoping that anyone gets hurt, but that Drew Brees would get hurt so that Green Bay would get a, a maybe top five pick in the draft next year. Uh, well, that, you know, now kind of goes out the window a bit because they now have a really good backup quarterback yeah. as well. So you would think they're almost a shoe in for seven, eight wins, almost no matter what happens at this point. Uh, so that does affect the, uh, the, the Packers number one pick chance from the Saints, a little bit of it being a top pick, but hey, maybe that'll be Khalil Mack anyway. We'll see. <laughs> Lastly, uh, I talked about this last time when I was on and we've been kind of pumping it up this week. Uh, Daniel Duffy put together a really cool print uh, of Lambeau Field made with all the names of previous Packers from 1919 to 2017, uh, kind of as a hundred year commemorative type thing. Uh, artofwords.com is where you can find the print. Uh, you can follow Daniel at Real Art of Words on Twitter. It's a 16 by 20 print. You can purchase it for $49.99. I legitimately uh, purchased mine and just actually got it in the mail yesterday. It's even cooler in person. Uh, you can actually go out and win this uh, if you go out to our Twitter handle at Packaday Podcast. Uh, we tweeted out a picture of the print itself. And if you retweet that tweet and follow us on Twitter, uh, you will be entered for a chance to win. And that will be given away at tonight's uh, uh, Chiefs Packers game. So uh, take a look out at that. Make sure you you take a look at the print and uh, order it for somebody because it's just super cool. And it's, it's really, really awesome work. So uh, congratulations to Daniel Duffy on that print. It's getting a lot of publicity and certainly deservedly so. Uh, my name is uh, Andy Herman. As always, you can follow me at Scotty Sports and at Cheesehead TV, and you can follow Dusty at Dusty Evely. Uh, Andrew and Kyle will be here on the Packaday podcast tomorrow and giving their breakdown of the final preseason game. That does it for us, Dusty. Thanks so much for joining. As always, you have a yeah. wonderful evening. You as well. All right. Thanks so much, man. And as always, go Tim Boyle. Go. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! to Adams. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone! Rodgers from the 42 New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. Now, winds up, rainbows into the end zone. It is caught. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.